It's March 12th, and this is the Cream City Pacers Weekly Rundown. Welcome back to another episode, all you strong, accomplished runners out there. We are so glad to have you back with us. I'm your host, Alex Main, and as always, I am joined by none other than future dad, Apostoli Everniatis. We are here to bring you inspiring stories and talk to the Pacers who are making an impact, whether that's professional athletes, political figures, CEOs, authors, and running leaders. Apostoli, hey, 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 hey. Let me tell you what, let me tell you what hit day 80 last weekend. And now it's like, now what Wednesday 90 coming, which is until like Wednesday. So now I feel like I'm just in this like waiting period where it's like, okay, when's the next round number coming, <laughs> hmm. but the streak's still going strong and I feel great. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about you. You're worried about me. So yeah. What what happens if you what if you what happens if you miss a day? That's okay. Remember, I, I said this like weeks ago on the podcast that the streak's got to end at one point. I just hopefully it's not from injury and it's my decision to start training for something, which was the fifty k, right? So I think we're getting there. We're getting there. But let me tell. Let me ask you something. Mm-hmm. You texted me the other day and you go, "Hey, actually, you called me. I'm pretty sure you." And then I think I Facetimed you. And then it was Coach Alex, Coach Zoe, and Coach Sophie. And you're like, hey, I'm going to go out and do a 10K. Should I do it? What pace should I do? Um, But I never followed up with you if you were running this. So, like, give me the, what's going on here? Okay. So, yeah, you did. I'm glad you didn't. That was, like, Uh, rude of me. Yeah, like, didn't even ask. I was just like, okay, go do whatever you Um, need to do. Terrible coaching skills. (laughs) Don't hire me as a coach. Don't don't quit your daytime job. But listen. Uh, you, I actually called you and I said last week for anybody that didn't not, did not listen, Alex, in addition to a three mile minimum, uh, for the past 80 some days, he actually went out and did a half marathon out of the blue in an evening, did a very, very good time. You posted a pretty good time. What was it? One fifty three? Yeah. Like five minutes not, off not my bad. PR. <laughs> Not, not bad for just a normal evening run. Um, and it kind of inspired me. And I said, I'm going to go out and, and run something big as well uh, just to get me back on track. Because as a, many people know, I've been struggling to get back into this. Alex, um, actually inspired by Alex, I went out to do a 13.1 mile, a half marathon. And my wife, Maria, she said... No, you're not going to go out for a half marathon. You got to get injured. You're not trained and you don't have an 80, 80 day streak. You're, you're crazy. I said, well, I'll walk, run. And she's like, no, no, just don't do it. It's stupid. What are you going to prove? So I called Alex and I said, hey, listen, what, what should I run? I should go out there. I want to go out there and make myself feel good. What should I run? He said, you should run a 10K. That's what you said, right? You yeah, said run look a at 10K. that. So right now I'm at like an A for being a coach. That's a good, mm-hmm. good coach move. Yeah. So now you want to know what happened? Yeah. 
uh, it was a 5k. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold <laughs> yeah. on. Before that, yeah. I texted you like two hours later and so I had to like hang up on you. So like I, you were, I had to go and mm-hmm. I texted you like two hours later. I'm like, how'd the run go? And you're like, still haven't left yet. <laughs> so I did follow <laughs> up, but that was it. <laughs> uh, I see. Okay. So <laughs> good point. Yeah. I actually went out and it didn't feel that great. It did not feel great at all. So it ended up being a 5k. But then the a couple of days afterwards, yesterday, I went out for a run and I said, I'm not going to look at my watch. I'm not going to see how far I'm going. I'm just going to go by feeling and I'm not going to stop. Actually, that was one of the conditions. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to do the grandpa shuffle if I have to. And uh, let me tell you, I, it, it ended up being a five miler, which felt good. It was very fast in the end. And you know what picked me up? Because I was doing a lot of the grandpa shuffle. What ended up pick me, picking me up? It was uh, Women's International Day, International Women's Day yesterday. And I started thinking of my of my daughter-to-be coming, coming soon. And I don't know why. They gave me a big, big push. And I said, you know what? Uh, here's, here's to the women in my life. And here's to my baby girl coming. It kind of gave me strength and carried me through. Oh, that is so touching and inspiring. Look at you. I, I love that. And you ran five miles, oh, man. New year, new apostole, or maybe new month, new apostole. <laughs> Cause it's March. Yes. It's okay. What so how many, anyway? how many, wait, uh, let's see here. We're a few weeks away, right? Yeah, we're just uh, 20 days, 21 days away. Ooh, so exciting. The girls are excited. The girls kind of understand that that you and Marie are having a baby. Um, They understand what a baby is. So they're excited to see baby. Like they go, we go opposite and they go baby. It's like, well, so it's it's cool. They're getting there. So they're excited. They're excited for it. And I know you guys are excited for it. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm starting to think that if this is real, that I'm actually going to be a dad. Which Just is, wait till it happens. Then you're like, oh, this is real. <laughs> this is very real. Yeah, I wait. think. Anyway. So f- funny story. I was running with Patrick uh, Beezer, leader of OMG, episode number one of the Cream City Pacers, most frequent most frequented guest of the show as well. Guys just owns every record in our book. I ran with him last weekend and he's like, it was really great when you guys were talking about, uh, dad stuff. And he's like, and I'm like, well, do you have any advice? You, you have more knowledge than both of us combined. And he's like, yeah, you can't plan for any of it, no matter how old they get. <laughs> and I was like, Touche. So great advice from, from, uh, uncle Patrick always great great advice so super excited about today's guest everyone today's guest is rick rubin he is a partner at falk rubin and gallagher and super excited for this we um, got connected with rick and what i know is he's um really big into meditation and running um i'm pretty sure he keeps them separate so I'm excited to dive deep into that because I don't meditate a lot. I know you 
you know, it's part of your practice as Apostoli. So I'm super excited to kind of learn how he mixes the two together in his life. And when you're running, you know, a real estate firm, you know, there is a lot going on. So I think we're going to find out a lot of amazing stuff. So super excited for that. We're going to bring you that in a few minutes. But first, we want to talk about this week's sponsor. It's Mimosa Breakfast and Brunch, our OG sponsor from day one. You guys, let me tell you what, I had a hard run the other weekend, got to keep the streak alive. So when I got to keep the streak alive, that means I got to keep myself fueled and recharged. So after a run on a Saturday, took the fam down to Mimosa Franklin, ordered ourselves. I got the Pollo Picante Omelette. Let me tell you what, that is like the most beautiful thing. Oh, it is. It is. It is from the source himself. <laughs> Let me tell you what really makes that omelet is the sauce on top. That like, uh, what is it? Avocado. What is it? Yeah, the Greek y- Greek yogurt avocado. For yeah. anybody familiar with Greek sauces, it's it's like the tzatziki sauce, but with avocado instead of cucumber, and it's beat up. So it's 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 nice green green uh, deliciousness. Oh, it's incredible. This is what it is. It's it's eggs straight from the source. Yuppie Hill poultry, the best. Uh, vegetarian fed custom blend of of minerals and 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 feed from yuppie hill poultry down in burlington lynn line she 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 makes the best eggs she delivers them straight from the farm no middleman okay you take those eggs you beat them up and you put cheddar cheese from wisconsin you put pepper jack cheese from wisconsin on that omelet then you take chicken without hormones and you cook it and you make it nice and moist with our with with our with our red pepper sauce, garlic sauce, and then no hormones. Did I say that? And then you top it off with that with that Greek yogurt avocado sauce. I'm sorry, it's a really good omelet. No bias. <laughs> Mimosa has two locations, one in Franklin and one in Brookfield. So go check them out. Learn more at mimosabreakfast.com. End of ad read. Back to the show. Uh, I don't have any more notes here. I think I said this last week, everyone, but the Pettit Center is now officially open. So if you would like to go exercise on the track, it is now open with limited capacity. There are a lot of rules of wearing a mask and socially distancing with Uh, being on the track so don't take your crew and expect to be able to run or walk together Uh, but if you'd like to switch it up and go back indoors though it's spring like i think the cold is over so maybe it doesn't matter but just an fyi to all you runners you guys should know that and i want to pass that on to you um i will say one thing if you guys have not listened to last week's episode with jill highly recommend it i would say the positive uh like changing my mindset to be more positive apostoli in, in one week of practicing it has completely changed the way I approach my days, my runs, my tasks, and it has been beautiful. So highly recommend it. I hope you guys, if you did listen to it last week, it's had the same impact on you because I know it has had a wonderful impact on me and I greatly appreciate Jill's time last week. But enough about Jill. Let's get to today's guest. And let's do you have anything else? Oh, let's do it. All right. Can't Du-du-du-du. wait. Let's bring on Rick. Today, we are joined by Rick Reuven, partner at Falk Reuven Gallagher Real Estate. Rick, welcome to the Cream City Pacers podcast. I'm honored to be on the show. 
This is this is exciting. So for all of you at home, this is not a visual podcast. It's an audio podcast. And we were going to start this a different way. But Rick's got a couple awesome signs behind him in his office. One says, you'll think of something, which is very helpful because we're interviewing you. And it's like a vote of confidence for me if I can't think of a question that there's a sign there to encourage me. But you have another one that there is no substitute for hard work. And I assume that that is a part of what you do because you're on the show because you're a runner, but you're also, right, you run your own company and especially in real estate, that's pretty intense. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of emotions in the real estate industry. I know it, I bought a house that was three years ago and I still feel the emotions running through my veins to this day when I think about it. But there, hard work, you see it a lot. And we were just talking before we started recording. Um, I'm on a run streak. You're a fan of streaks. Um, as of lately, it's not every day. It's every other day. But talk to us about like what's up with you with running right now. How's everything going um, in your running in your running life? Sure. Well, I'm a huge proponent of running. I, uh, I tell anyone that listens um, that my running isn't remarkable, but it has a remarkable impact on my life. And um, I find that um, streaks, which I thought I created on my own, but the more people I talk to, the more I learn, um, track their streaks, um, I find to be incredibly helpful, especially, you know, in our long, dark, cold winters. Um, so for me, um, I'm at the point where I'm trying to stretch out my running as long as I can. I'm 56 years old and I want to run another 20 plus years. So I've gone from an everyday runner to an every other day runner. So I run um, and then I intersperse that with weightlifting. And um, I, I had a 350 day streak in 2019, in 2020, a 270 day streak um, that just ended a couple of weeks ago, actually. And uh, I'm back to double digits, I'm proud to say. And I, I just find it a great motivator because you really don't want to start from zero and um, and you're anxious to get that number back up as quickly as you can. I, you know what? You're bringing a lot of positive light to my situation because I'm at day like 80 something and it's got to end at one point, right? Right. Whether it's a thousand days or if it's 95 days and it's kind of like, well, what what's next once it's over, right? Like, what are you going to do next? It's like the end of a race. What's next? I'm done. But the way you're you're talking about it, it's like, that's okay, because you can start again. And then the excitement's right back to the beginning of, okay, I want one day, now I'll have 10 days under my belt. So it's it's a different way to look at something that you can make really daunting and not wanting to end, which could lead to an ending with an injury, which I do not want to happen. So um, I'm excited to see what happens here. But you just mentioned your first streak ended, it sounded like just under a year. It did. Um, did was so that I, like heartbreaking? Was that your goal? I feel like it's so close to like, a, like a, I guess, right. like a, a tangible milestone. Well, I did want to get to a year. Um, and then, you know, once I would have gotten to a year, I would have pushed it to two years. Right. So um, but, you know, I'm a firm believer and I, I learned this through meditation that everything is temporary. Right. So everything begins and ends and um, as do streaks. So. I think that you enjoy the journey, you know, you use it as a motivator, but you don't let it control your life and you're going to um, 
start over. And, you know, I think streaks are interesting and getting to a couple hundred is terrific, but it's just as interesting what happened in between. You know, was it a day? Was it a couple days? What was the first day like? Um, so, you know, I, I, the one thing that you'll kind of hear from me is I, I have extremely positive self-talk and uh, I just don't beat myself up if, if the streak starts over. And that's the, the positive mentality is huge. And last week we had Jill Summers on the show, who is a performance coach. And we actually talked about that a lot. I think at one point she turned the interview on me and asked me about an example when one of my runs where I thought it was like the heat, you know, came, I, I was walking, but really it was, we brought it back to the day before I w- I just did not have, I was not doing the right things. I wasn't in the right mindset to do it. So it's definitely something you have to practice every day, right? Like running or strength training or whatever it may be. And you say meditation, it sounds like is at the core of this. Um, did you find meditation after you started running and kind of molded the two together? Or how did that journey come together of you kind of bringing those two things together? Sure. Great question. Um, so I've been running since college. And um, for me, that was always my release, if you will. So there were tremendous positive aspects for me. Um, You know, I've always looked at running as my time to work through issues. And I tell friends that aren't runners, you know, the, if we picture like when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're thinking about the things you have to do and they're all so daunting when you're running, everything is manageable. Like you can figure it all out in the course of a run. And, you know, I've always kind of, used running for that. I've used it to, um, you know, erase self doubt and to know that I can overcome pain. Um, as I mentioned, it's always helped with my self talk and I've always felt, and I truly believe that you can't feel great mentally if you don't do your best to feel great physically. Um, so, you know, I was enjoying all of these positive aspects and, um, I'm in a business with great emotion, right? So, um, you know, I would say half of our clients sell because they want to sell. And I always take the time to celebrate that and say, hey, you know, you're doing this because you want to, and this is really a blessing. And let's just take a second to really appreciate that. But unfortunately, the other half of our clients are selling or, or buying because of, you know, an economic change. They've gotten divorced. They, you know, lost a job. Um, they're, they're moving out of state, like emotional, um, you know, heavy duty things that they're dealing with in life. And I found that running could only take me so far and that, you know, being the leader of my team, all of the problems and the heaviest emotions always end up on my desk. So, um, I was riding this roller coaster of ups and downs of, you know, I'd go from one appointment where people were ecstatic to the next appointment where people were despondent. And, you know, most of us are pretty empathetic and it was, it was really hard for me. Um, and it got to the point where I just didn't want to ride that roller coaster anymore. And I thought the only way that I could get off that roller coaster was to care less. And, um, my brother, I credit my brother who was a transcendental meditator. Um, he, he told me that if you meditate, you kind of release yourself from both the top and the bottom. And I said, well, 
I really kind of want to just get rid of the bottom and enjoy the top. And he said, well, you know, the middle is pretty beautiful if you can find it. Um, so I started uh, learning Transcendental Meditation with a teacher. And I find the combination of running, which in itself is kind of meditative, and doing Transcendental Meditation, which is kind of inwardly focused, relaxed. It's not app-related. But I think the combination of the two, you know, um, is, is most empowering. Mm. That's super interesting. Um, I don't do a lot of meditating apostolia. I know you, you know, you do that and, you, and you've done different, different types, but it's an interesting approach because a lot of us want to take the lows out or the hard stuff out and hang out with the highs. Right. But that's, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's sustainable or even possible. Right. Or if, even if it was possible, how long you'd want to hang out up there. Right. Cause that's probably pretty emotionally draining in different ways. Right. Than emotionally draining with the bottom. So how, if you, if you don't mind going a little bit more in depth, what is like, what does it mean to be in the middle then when, sure. when you're there? Well, what's interesting is, if you if you cut out the lows and you have highs and and in the middle then the middle becomes the lows right mm -hmm. so and the middle is where most of life is lived um you know if you think about it most of our life is 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 neither unbelievably fantastic or, or terrible it's it's in the middle and i think those of us that are the happiest kind of come to peace with that um so I think that the positive aspects of running and meditation, um, for me at least, is it lets me let go of those things that I'm carrying on, that um, carrying around, I should say, that, that would tend to drag me down in the past, right? Mm -hmm. So it could be fear, it could be anger, frustration, doubt, you know, all of those things. Um, so when you when you run, for instance, and any runner pretty much understands this, that you can be really aggravated. Maybe a, a deal didn't come together or a friend disappointed you or, you know, whatever have you. And you kind of tie your tennis shoes too tight and you storm out, you know, and and uh, when you get back, you just don't feel that anymore. Right. Like you kind of either worked it out mentally or physically. That's the benefit of a run. Well, meditation is is the same benefit, but you come at it totally different. Where mm. running, it, it, it requires great effort. Meditation is just allowing yourself to be. Um, and, and, you know, it's the practice of letting thoughts come in and letting them go. And um, when, you let, when you let thoughts go, either running or meditating, it really, it really takes the lows out and I find that meditating and running also pretty quickly is a mirror for how I'm feeling, right? So if, I'm, if, I, if I get to a quiet place and I relax and I just allow myself to be, I'll realize, boy, I was awfully busy today. But now that I'm really kind of at peace and relaxing, I'm, I realize I'm I'm anxious or I'm afraid or I'm sad or whatever. And you don't allow yourself that time um, when you're when you're filling your life as successful people do um, from morning till night. And I think running is the same way. But 
with running, I often feel that in my body, right? Like, so if I'm, you know, uh, if, if I was down or um, frustrated or you name it, you just don't have that pep in your step. You know, you just feel your body not keeping up with your mind. So I think that running and meditating are two opposite ways to get to the same place. And it's almost like a, a balance too. A lot of the times I know we've had conversations of like meditating and running where it's like the same thing, but really it's, it's two different things that have two different purposes for two different moments of your, we'll say day or life. And it sounds like. Absolutely. Absolutely. They both have very similar effect, both physically and mentally. Um, and you can't do them both as much as you'd like to. So it's nice having the combination. And, and I think it keeps both fresh. Yeah, I'm I'm a meditation newbie, but I find it funny. Like I do meditate not as frequently as I wish. Um, but when I meditate, right, it's so, like you're saying, you're supposed to let thoughts come and go. And when you're mm -hmm. just focused on not that and not having that happen, it's like hard to do. But man, when you run, stuff goes in and out so quick. Sometimes I forget what I'm thinking about while I'm running because like my mind's on a new topic, but I'm trying to recall what I was just thinking about literally like a quarter of a mile ago. So it's, it's, it's really powerful how the brain can work and process through things to make you, you know, kind of get in that meditative state through a physical physically running and also actually, you know, sitting down and meditating your mind and your body. So it's actually beautiful. Yeah. And it makes you realize that we're really meant to be in motion, right? That's really when we're at our best, when we're moving forward, um, you know, both figuratively and literally. Uh, Rick, could we talk a little bit about uh, transcendental med meditation? Because Alex said that I've, I've experimented with many different types, not that many, but I've Oh, I've come on. I was trying to make you sound like a guru over here. <laughs> but but I will say this. Um, the most I've paid for um, any kind of meditation was probably uh, Sam Harris's app, Wake mm, Up, sure. Waking Up, waking up uh, which was you know, $10 a month or $20 a month. Uh, could you tell us about Transcendental? Because anybody that I've met that has done Transcendental just lives by it, swears by it. So right. can you, can you tell us a little bit about why transcendental and if you, if you would recommend it or just any takeaways from, from that experience with that? Sure. So I'm a, a huge proponent. Um, again, I have to credit my brother for that. And now my son does it as well. My, my eldest son, um, deals with anxiety and he finds it to be hugely productive for that. Um, but you know, right now we're kind of an app, you know, we're an app nation and, um, you know, I use an app and we can talk about this later. I use the productive app to kind of lay out my non-working day, the things that are most important to me. Um, but I don't particularly find app related meditation to be real helpful for me because I'm thinking too much and I'm, I'm too active. And the whole point of transcendental meditation, if you picture the ocean, um, you know, the ocean, um, is, is rapidly moving at the surface, but the deeper you go, the more still it is. 
And I find any type of guided meditation doesn't allow me to get, you know, to the, to the depths of where the calm lies. So with transcendental meditation, you, you, you put yourself in a position to allow yourself to just be, and it sounds kind of new age, but you, you just relax. And, you know, there's no such thing as a bad meditation, just like there's no such thing as a bad run. You put your tennis shoes on and you head out and whether it's a mile or 26 miles, whether you feel great or you, or, or you don't, there's no such thing as a bad run. There's no such thing as a bad meditation. And, and really it's about letting thoughts come and go without any judgment. Um, and, you know, as you do that, you, you kind of feel a sense of, of peace and you realize that you're not your thoughts and you're not your emotions, which sound very foreign. You know, it sounds very foreign to many people um, because we think we are our thoughts and our emotions, but those all come and go. And the beautiful thing about running and meditation is it provides a little space between your thoughts, which, I mean, let's face it, oftentimes our thoughts are incorrect. Um, how many times have we had the wrong first impression or misjudged somebody? Um, so it, it provides a little room, both running and meditation, a little room between your thoughts and yourself and your emotions in yourself. And yeah, and we've been groomed in the West to, f to feel ashamed about our thoughts, right? Many times, especially in certain religions, you know, don't you dare think about that, like get that out of your mind because that might lead into an action. But actually it's the converse where you notice the thought and you just let it be, uh, you distance it from the emotion and possibly acting on it right is that if that kind of makes sense you're you're just by acknowledging it you're not letting it take control and festering inside of you um right so you hit it on the head we're taught that we're our thoughts and our emotions but we're really not we have an infinite amount of thoughts that come and go through our minds some of which are productive and many of which are not and both running and meditation, you know, um, allow you not to dwell. You know, initially you start not dwelling on things and then eventually you, you um, learn to just let them go. Um, you know, with my, with my team, so I work with my team who are all kind of overachievers, hard driving, but are in this emotional business. And then I also mentor a lot of people in and out of the business. And um, I, I talk to them about, you know, I, I'm a real estate agent. So I created something called Real, R-E-A-L, where, um, and, and I often go through this when I'm running. Um, but when something is a challenge, when something comes up that's particularly difficult, I go through a process where I reflect on what happened and then I, I embrace it. So I'll give you an example before I go into the whole reel. Um, a, a close friend of mine who I and, um, and one of my teammates had been working with for six months um, gave me a call and said, hey, um, you know, I hate, to, I hate to tell you this, but we ended up this weekend buying a home by owner. And this had been somebody that we had invested six months in. 
And if I had not been running and meditating, I would have been really super upset with them. I, my family would have been upset with them. Um, my friends would have been upset with them. You know what I mean? You, you carried around, you vent to everybody. Uh, but what I did is I went through this reel where I reflected on, all right, so this is what happened. I embraced it. Okay. You know, um, this isn't going to change. And boy, you know, imagine how difficult that phone call must have been. I mean, he must have been dreading picking up the phone and calling me. And then I allow myself, the A is allow myself to feel what I feel. Well, I feel a little betrayed. I feel kind of stupid. I feel angry. Um, and then the L is I let it go. And you can't let it go unless you build the tools to do so. And um, the reason why so many of us are anxious or depressed or, or otherwise not our best selves is, is because of the last thing. We're all able to do the first three, um, but the letting it go comes from running and in my case, running and meditating. So by the way, great, great acronym real as in real estate. Um, right. <laughs> how are you implementing that when it comes to your employees and, and the people you work with? Do you have any, any way where you, I'm asking for a friend as they say, <laughs> uh, but uh, is there any way that you directly uh, influence your, the people under you or with you that work alongside of you to, to become more uh, mindful or more or to actually include a meditative practice in your, in their work. That is a big part of my leadership style. So, you know, we're all, like I said, overachievers. I mean, I have a hall of fame, literally Wisconsin hall of fame golfer as a partner. We have a former captain of the U S soccer team. We have people that excelled academically. Um, you name it. I mean, we, we have, these people that I don't have to push. I mean, they, they push themselves harder than I can push them. Um, and they really put their clients before themselves. So my job is really the way I look at it is just to create an environment of positivity and to help them position themselves mentally um, in the most positive way to improve their self-talk, um, to help us all understand that we're not defined by what we do. We're defined by who we are and um, where most business leaders stress goals. I actually stress intentions and my life changed for the better when I switched from goals to intentions. So originally, you know, years ago I could tell you, every number in our business or what my goal was for every number, how many people we needed to meet with, how many homes we had to list, how many of those homes were going to sell at what price, you know, and, and, and I had a goal for everything. Um, but when we reached those goals, you know, first we wanted to be a $20 million business and a $50 million business and a hundred million dollar business. And we got to all of those goals, but there wasn't a sense of, you know, this unbelievable satisfaction or the, the emotional pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Um, so I switched to intentions more about what I want to be than what I want to do. And um, that's been a, just a 
huge boost in, in my quality of life. And I spend a lot of time talking to my team and talking to um, people that I mentor, friends and family about switching from goals to intentions. Where did that come from? Where did that influence come from? I mean, we all like to think that we're brilliant innovators and in many ways we are, but there's no such thing as an original idea. So my question is where, what have your influences, what have they been in the past? Whether that's uh, big business leaders, uh, books that you read, um, seminars that you took, or just autobiographies of sure. uh, uh, the people that you respect. Yeah. So I'm a, uh, I'm always reading a couple books at a time. Um, I, you know, I, I went through a period where I read a lot about meditation. I learned um, about Buddhism. I'm not a Buddhist, but I learned about Buddhism, which those teachings kind of flow into meditation pretty naturally. Um, I read a lot of personal growth. I read a lot of business books. Um, and it's it was kind of the culmination of all of those that led me to, you know, a couple of years ago, realize, hmm, you know, I, I'm, um, I'm going to focus again on what I want to be. And I've, I'm just so much happier. That too has taken me off the roller coaster that we all tend to ride. You know, in our business, it's did it sell or not? And, you know, you would judge yourself by things that weren't in your control. Um, and what you do isn't in your control, but who you are is 100% in your control. Um, so I switched to, to um, intentions, which I'm, you know, I share with everybody openly. It, <clears throat> that's really interesting because it's not, it's not something a lot of people do. It also leads to a more like purposeful life, like you're living with purpose and not just reaching and, and goals aren't a bad thing. Right. But not reaching like, Oh, we're now a $50 million business. Okay. Like that's unfulfilling to a point, right? Like, yeah, you might have more money and you might be more well off, but you're not, the, the purpose isn't there. And, and I think that's huge. And if you're pushing that down through your, through your leadership, you know, that naturally just, just flows out. And, you know, I think that's awesome. And you said something back, I think was, was really key. And it was one line when you were talking about real and it was entering embraces, putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Cause mm. that conversation wasn't easy when they reached back out. And I'm actually reading, uh, Brene Brown's dare to lead right now. And she, there's like a whole chapter about that. And it's like, wow, I don't think I've ever actually practiced this, mm -hmm. but I've been on the other side of that where it's like, well, why didn't they think what I'm thinking, right? Like it's so easy to say that, but we never put ourselves in there. And it's these, it's these small things that I think add up. And so my, my question here is you, you said before you started thinking, you know, before you started looking intentions instead of goals, um, or even before as like a leader, when you're looking for meditation, it felt like you were kind of stuck almost like you had all these emotions kind of, you didn't really know how to handle them or channel them, but it seems that you've been able to like, um, handle those or streamline them a little bit more. Would you say like now where you're at compared to whatever, if that was five years ago that you 
like you feel like you're a healthier being that you are in the mindset you want to be in when you were starting out? Um, or has this been like a different journey and you're like in a completely different mindset and state right now than you thought this would lead to? Um, great question. So I would say that, um, you know, as a young man, I had an image of who I thought I wanted to be and what I thought society wanted me to be. And it, it basically revolved around, um, what I did and what I had. And you work really hard and you sacrifice. And I'm a huge proponent that whatever chair you're sitting in at any given moment, there's an empty chair somewhere else. So, you know, I, I worked super hard for decades and I, you know, did a lot and, and had a lot more than most people, but less than plenty others. Um, but I wasn't finding the gratification solely in that. I, I so in creating um, intentions rather than goals in terms of what I wanted to be, um, it allowed me to focus on the things that were really important, number one. And number two, the unintended consequence is I worked so hard to accomplish things as an individual, but now unexpectedly, far more of my work joy comes from the success of, of my teammates. Mm. Um, and I didn't, I didn't go into that purposefully, but that was one of the unintended consequences of, you know, the benefits of running and meditation and, and intentions. Mm. That's beautiful. There's a sign behind you, Rick, that says mm -hmm. there is no substitute for hard work. How long has that been up? Um, so I would say that's been up for it's, it's newer. So things rotate around here. Um, so I, I don't think that hard work is grinding, right? And I don't think that hard work is the amount of hours you put in or the amount of people you call or whatever. It's the progress that you make. And, and, um, you have to be careful that you're choosing the right progress to make, right? And for decades, um, and, you know, and I don't know that I would go back and change too much. I, you know, I, I, I don't have a life of regret, but I do think you have to be careful of, you know, where you're charting your progress. And um, it sounds like the distinction between busy and productive, right? Like you, so many people, we have a to-do list as long as we're checking things off, myself included. I feel like, yeah, it was a, it was a busy day. Therefore, good job. I worked hard today, but sometimes the best days are you know, when, when I spend two hours, but I make leaps for what I'm trying to accomplish. And uh, speaking of productive, we talked about it right before recording and you mentioned it a couple of minutes ago, a few minutes ago about this app that you use. And we'd love to hear about this, this app and how do you, how do you use it? Sure. Um, so I think that, um, you know, I, I would love to be more disciplined than I am. And, and I, I use, um, uh, the productive app is just a little kind of a gentle kick in the rear end. Um, and, a, and a constant reminder of um, being more intentional. 
So, uh, you know, I, I wake up and, you know, I, I have these kind of reminders uh, to stretch, to drink water, you know, to exercise, to meditate, to have a healthy breakfast, really to set my day up. And I, I'm blessed that I'm an early riser. You know, I, I don't, I, I don't know what to credit that to. I just, I just wake up at 5.30 refreshed and ready to go. So I'm very, very lucky that way. And I have these wonderful mornings every morning. And um, so, so when the day comes around and it's 8.30 or 9 o'clock, I'm in such a great state of mind because I've gone through these things. Um, I, I'm also, um, one of the first things I do, you know, I used to get up and I'd look at my email right away. Well, now what I do is I get up and I set an intention for the day. You know, what, what do I want to be today? Do I want to be patient? Do I want to be helpful? Do I want to be thoughtful? You know, what, what, what is my intention for the day? Um, so then I have these midday reminders, obviously to eat healthy and to make sure I'm drinking water, uh, but also to stop and be grateful. Um, I think that there's just such a benefit in um, stopping and being grateful for what you have and, and the little things and the big things. Um, so I'm, I'm always um, careful to do that. That's one of my favorite things of the day. And, and interestingly, to tie it back to running, um, being purposeful with gratefulness changed the way I looked at running. So as a young man, I started running because I enjoyed it. And then in my 30s and 40s, I started running because I wanted to maybe look different, right? I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to be in great shape. And I did it because I thought I should. Well, you get to a point where you're a little older and it doesn't come so easy and doing something because you should um, becomes a chore rather than a blessing. And through gratefulness, one of the unintended consequences of that is I now run and, you know, we talked about the streak of 350 and then 270 days. Um, I now run because I still can. And it's just the most wonderful feeling to wake up even if it's below zero and, uh, you know, to, to, to get dressed and to go for a run because darn it, I still can. And I'm not going to be able to forever. And it's, you know, to me, that's being grateful and it just makes running a joy. Um, and then at night it kind of circles back. It's, um, you know, stretching, meditating. Uh, I like to reflect on my day. I, 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 I don't go to bed without making sure that both of my boys know that I love them, not just by saying it, but, you know, did, did I do something during the day to make them feel that way? Um, and then something that started six months ago, or not, not even that long ago, um, a number of months ago, and I just love this, and it wasn't my own idea. A friend came to me and said, why don't we track our ups and downs for the day? And I said, that sounds good. I, you know, I can kind of add that to my routine. And um, for a period of time, we shared our ups and downs. Now I just kind of do it independently. Um, but the beauty of that is I, for one, realized how many more ups there are than downs in the course of a day. And if you don't think about them, 
they kind of seem somewhat even, right? Well, if you think about it and you, and you actually stop at the end of the day, you can't imagine how many days you can't think of a down. You might have had three, four, five, ten things that were up. Um, but more often than not, you can't even think of something that happened during the day that was was a downer. Um, so I just find that that you know people probably use this productive app a million different ways, but it's really just been so terrific for me. So can, can we talk a little bit about these ups and downs? Because I also through somebody, not not a friend, but. I like to think he's my friend, but he doesn't know me. Uh, his name is Jim Collins. He's a big uh, author. He was on the Tim Ferriss podcast a couple of times, and he mentioned that he has this spreadsheet that at the end of each day, he documents a few things, and he has a number, and it's a it's an integer from negative two to two. So it could be negative two, negative one, zero, one, and two, uh, depending on how he rates his day. So mm. a really good day is a two, a really terrible day is a negative two. And um, I've started to do that and I'm also seeing the same pattern, but it sounds like you are getting more, like you're honing in on specific instances throughout the day. So how do you, how do you exactly track that? And do you use the productive app? I'd love to hear more about that. Sure. Um, so for the ups and downs, it's more of a reflection. So um, it, it, you know, like today, let's say, um, if you said, you know, what happened that was down today, um, I, I'm at a little bit of a loss, but um, I can probably share a half a dozen things that were terrific, you know, helping clients get to a better place, um, having a teammate get over, um, a, a deal that fell apart, um, reaching out to somebody and advising them on um how to handle the disposition of a of an income property that seems very complex and we were able to simplify it for them. My son came into the office and that was fantastic for 10 minutes. Like, you know, I could list probably 10 things that made me smile during the day and you'd have to give me 10 minutes to think of something that was a downer. And if I didn't really take the time, if I didn't take a minute or two at night to think that, I wouldn't have realized it. You just kind of, you know, you watch TV, you're on social media, you read whatever, you fall asleep and you, and you don't really realize how fortunate you are. And on those days that tough things do come up, which are few and far between, you realize how few days those really are. And it helps you get through that, that whole temporary thing. You realize that, my God, you know, I, I don't have streaks of good days or bad days, but you realize mm -hmm. um, that, God, you know, probably 25, 27 days this month were really all in all great days. And, and, and just really quick, I'm going to make a note that you're living what you just told us in the beginning of the of the show, that you're not you're not being influenced by the very negative things or the very positive things. And you're finding joy in the smallest things like your son visiting you for 10 minutes, which so many other people, the vast majority of people, I'd say, just let that go by uh, mindlessly and mm -hmm. not appreciate those little moments. But Alex, mm -hmm. back to you. I'm sorry. 
I interrupted no, that, you. I, I, no, that was perfect. What you said. I, I also think by doing that, like if we look, if I look at my day, I could say one small thing will ruin the whole day. I think that's pretty common. And if you do this, you're like, well, that was just one small part of the day. And when all these other things happened, right. And it also, it, it's like you build a skill set of, or not a skill, whatever you want to call it, of becoming more grateful and taking an appreciation of everything that happened through your day, good or bad. Um, I'm just reflecting back on like this, if I can count my days in good or bad. And I just was thinking like that one thing that happened on Monday, I said, made my entire day bad, but that really wasn't true. I just told myself that. And it was Mm. just, I was not in the right, you know, I'm just, it's a mindset thing where I think sometimes you can let the smallest things or even a bad thing dictate your entire day reflecting on it, which, you know, can build up over time. So what you're saying with this, you know, I think can help you as a person flush through that and really figure out what's what you're grateful for, but also helps you really break it down on like a very individual thing level that happens throughout the day. So it makes you, I was doing the, I I don't know if you've ever done the five minute journal, um, Mm -mm. but I did it for a while. It's like, you do it in the morning, you talk about what you want to accomplish, what you were grateful for. Then at the end of the day, you do, you do a recap and it's not, it really makes you think when I first started doing it, I was like, what am I grateful for today? Like, uh, I don't have anything hmm. in here. You really are like, Oh, this cup of coffee, because it makes me happy that I'm drinking my cup of coffee today. And you get creative and you start using your brain. And I think some of us can get into the, to the habit of not using our brains that way. And oh, it feels like that stuff can kind of shut off. And it seems like everything you're doing, I guess another thing I want to say is what you're doing takes practice, right? It's not just, it's not like you can take a magic pill and lose weight, right? You have to actually practice and do all these things. But once you do it, the mind, the, your mindset and the way you, your outlook on life really starts to change. And you can hear it from your examples and the way you live your life. And it's very inspiring. And I really appreciate you sharing all these, all these stories. Um, so it's wonderful. I do have to say, I want to talk a little bit about the, about the housing market. If we had you, I would would like some advice here. Um, as we head into the spring, I think spring's here. Are we spring here as Mm -hmm. a real estate agent? Do you know that there's a spring officially here? So it's deceiving. The market really starts in mid January. Um, so high season for the real estate market is mid January through like the end of July. So most people think it starts later and ends later than it really does. Last year was an outlier because we kind of lost our spring and summer market for obvious reasons. Uh, But most years are, um, you know, fall fall into that pattern. And, you know, one thing that is just amazing, and we happen to be talking during a perfect time, but we're in this incredible paradox right now where interest rates are so low so low, you know, sub 3%. I was on the phone with a friend um, earlier today that got a mortgage at 2.1%. And what that is allowing to have happen right now is that, um, and this is incredibly rare, that both buyers and sellers can win. And it's the magic of these temporary low interest rates where a seller can sell their home for appreciably more than they could last year. And the rates are so incredibly low 
that despite the premium that's that the buyer is paying for the house, it's still far more affordable. Um, their mortgage is still far less than it was, you know, let's say a year, year and a half ago. And, you know, the difference in a, a mortgage that's sub 3% versus 4.5% is profound. You know, it can be the difference of, of you know, $100,000 in the value of a home to a seller, and it can be so much more purchasing power for a buyer. So, you know, you, you hear about markets that are buyer's markets or seller's markets. Right now, we're in a market that is benefiting both, and it won't last. That's interesting. Um, so I've been hearing some fake news out there that, well, if I'm going to sell my house at a premium, I'm going to just buy a house at a premium and it's a wash. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But after you explaining it, that doesn't make sense. Because if you're buying with a low interest rate, then you're actually saving money over time, in theory. Yes. And um, there are a couple of other interesting dynamics at play. So for those that are looking to trade up, they're getting a huge premium for their house because the mid, the lower and mid price homes have the highest demand and they're selling for the biggest premium. And if you're trading up to a more substantial home, that home is likely selling for less of a premium. So not only do you have these low interest rates, but you have this incredibly you know, advantageous purchasing power that you hadn't had in the past. And for those that are looking to move down, let's say you're selling a $800,000 house and buying a $400,000 house, you might be paying, let's say you get a 5% premium on your $800,000 house, that's $40,000 and you pay a 10% premium, you pay double the premium on a $400,000 house, it's still 40,000. So buyers that are trading up are doing incredibly well and buyers and sellers, excuse me, sellers that are trading down are also doing well because they're getting the most that they would have gotten for their house and the premium that they're paying for a smaller, more affordable house is really a wash. Does that make sense? I know it's a little bit of math, but no, uh, it makes total sense. It's really like a win-win-win situation. It's unbelievable, and it's it's historic, and it and it won't last. So, have, have we seen this before? Um, I mean, not in not in not in my lifetime, where you have all of these dynamics at play. That's so. What? When does this go away? When the interest rates go back up? Um, that'll have an impact on it. So, you know, this is a combination of high consumer confidence, um, low interest rates, low inventory, which is, you know, propping up prices um, and and a general sense that the economy is going to take off when, you know, there are enough vaccines. And so, so there's so many positives at play um, that, you know, it's just it's just a once in a lifetime opportunity. Hmm. Hmm. I like it. Question: um, With more people working from home than ever, have you been seeing that your buyers are like looking for an office space in their home or an extra bedroom for office space, or what is that like? Because I assume that would be the case. Yeah, we, we're definitely seeing that. So, um, you know, 
I, I think um, the pandemic has accelerated trends that already existed. And it doesn't matter what industry. I mean, look at what's happened with retail and some others. It's just accelerated those trends. But in housing, you know, we haven't been chained to our desks in, what, 15 years with with the technology that exists. Um, but But we didn't really understand the freedom we had. And, you know, through Zoom and through smartphones and everything else, most of us can conduct business wherever we want to be. Mm-hmm. And it's incredibly liberating. So, yeah, we, we're starting to see people say, look, I don't want to work from the dining room table anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I want space dedicated. And I don't think that's going to end with the pandemic. I think you're going to see people enjoy the freedom that they have and they're going to want a house that kind of tailors itself a little more to the way we're likely to live. So do you think the way houses are designed will change a little bit as in like I live in Whitefish Bay. So everything's kind of this like unless you're building new and tearing down. Right. But with new houses, are there going to be more like offices like you used to see like a uh, like a den almost or like an old dining room will be now like more office space. Do you see those trends at all happening? I do. Um, You know, I owned a fair amount of commercial and medical office space um, with partners and, and I sold all of that. Um, and you know, don't do as I do. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't, um, fancy myself as giving advice on the commercial, uh, commercial office environment, but, um, <laughs> I, I don't have great faith in that. I think that this is a trend that's likely to continue. I think that the office for those, you know, I mean, if you're a, if you're a, family doctor, right? You're going to mm-hmm. still be working the way you work. But for so many professions, so many of them, you know, attorneys, accountants, real estate professionals, advertising, you name it, mm-hmm. um, you, you'll see people working um, from home. You'll see them working in community space. And the office will be a place to recharge, to educate, to brainstorm, but probably not where you're going to do 40, 50 hours a week of work. It's interesting. I've been, I'm not a commercial real estate agent or a real estate agent at all, but I think the way our cities work and the way our buildings in downtown Milwaukee are made and how community spaces, like you were just saying to work and not having an office as your main hub has changed. It's going to be interesting to see what cities and new buildings look like in the coming years. Or decades. It's going to take a while, but it's going to be it's going to be an interesting thing. Rick, this was awesome. You are an inspiring man. You've brought us a lot of wisdom and knowledge. We greatly appreciate it. Um, I know this is something we're definitely going to take into our daily lives. And I know Apostoli might take some of this back to Mimosa. Um, (laughs) But before we go, we have to do our Cream City Pacers rapid fire questions. Are you ready for these? I am. All right. What is your favorite route to run in Milwaukee? I love running up and down Lake Drive. Uh, great architecture, and um, I notice something new every time I run it. If you could bring one person to Milwaukee to go on a run with, could be somebody dead or alive, who would it be? Uh, it'd be the biggest inspiration of my life, and uh, the guy that taught me to love unconditionally would be my dad. I love that. Was your dad a runner? My dad was not a runner, um, but 
he was just, you know, he had the ability to make everybody feel special. And, uh, uh, that, that's who I would, it would, it would be, it would be a, probably a fast walk, but, uh, I would count it as a run. I love it. All right. What is your favorite pre-race pump up song? Boy, um, you know, I, I, I don't know that I have a favorite song, but I'll tell you, um, some of my runs, I like to just get lost in the music. And, um, this morning I listened to Curtis Mayfield, soul singer from the seventies and, oh God, he's just, he, uh, he was fantastic. So Kurt, I'm going with Curtis Mayfield cause I listened to him today. We talked about books earlier, but is there one book you would recommend to our fellow runners listening that has helped you become a better runner? Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, provide a book that I just finished that was fantastic that I think everybody should read. And I think about it a lot while I'm running and it's a book called the psychology of money. And it's about the decisions we make that have negative impacts on our long-term wealth and how, what, how you behave and how you think about money impacts your long-term wealth far more than where you invest it. And it's a simple book. It's an easy read. It's a life changer for anybody that I've shared it with. It's like so simple that it's unbelievable, but it's called the psychology of money. You know, you can read it in a weekend and honestly, it's changed everybody's life that I've spoken with. Well, we'll have to get that. I just got an Audible subscription, so maybe that'll be this month's uh, book purchase. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. What is your favorite piece of running gear? Um, I would say uh, I, I run in uh, Hoka Beyondies, and uh, they, um, they make, they've made the aches and pains go away, so I've got to go with that. Hoka does that. Those are beautiful for getting the aches and pains to go away. <laughs> What is one piece of advice you would give to new runners? Uh, be kind to yourself, right? Like don't measure your success by somebody that runs past you. Um, don't run, um, don't run beyond where you should be at the moment. You know, be kind to yourself mentally and physically and, if you ease into running, you'll be a runner for life. If you overdo it in the beginning, you, you know, you'll, you'll, you won't stick with it. That's beautiful. And that's our last question. So Rick, where can people find more about you and your company if they want to get in touch about buying or selling? Yes. Yeah, so we're the Falk Reuven Gallagher team, easy to find online. Um, uh, I, I, I lead the team. I'd be happy to talk about real estate. Um, I'd also be happy to talk about running or to talk about life. So, um, you don't have to call because you're buying and selling for us. It's a relationship business and, um, we're always looking to build relationships. I love it. Rick, thank you so much. This was awesome. And hopefully we can go on a run soon and keep this conversation rolling. That'd be great. And it was nice to make two new friends tonight. Oh, that's the nicest ending anyone's ever said. 
Abasoli, how do you feel about that? I feel like there is a lot to add into my daily routines here, and it might feel overwhelming, but I'm super excited to take these things in chunks and make them a part of my daily routine and a part of my life because this is amazing. And I think at the end of the day, living your life with purpose outweighs everything else. And that is huge to hear it come from Rick and how he's implementing it. And just the way he talks about his business and his life, like it's doing him the right things. And the quote I got out of this, running isn't remarkable, but running has remarkable impact on my life, is another just great way to look at it. Because sometimes when you think you have a bad run, or when I just run three miles of the streak, and then I go and everyone else ran 15 miles that day, it's like, man... It's making such a big impact on my day that when I reflect back on my day, this was a good part about my day. And look at man, everything he's talking about is coming into practice and it just feels better. Thank you, Rick. What a, what, thank you, Rick. And what a great follow up to Jill's interview from last week. They're just those two people are like almost it feels like they should be friends it's, <laughs> it's like it's it's as if it's this is a a series now on on what running should be and how we should be towards ourselves so thank you rick and you ever meet somebody that you know you look at just their picture and you see them and you're like man i bet you this person is just a happy person and when i saw rick's picture i saw him before we recorded i said i didn't know much about him this is going to be a good interview. That's what I told myself. I think I told you too. I said, you this did, is going to be did. a good one. He, he just seems like a super in tune guy. Yeah. And, 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 and he sure was as our listeners were all agree. Also, uh, don't forget that, um, the real taking the real and using it in your, in your life, reflect, embrace, allow myself to feel what I feel and let it go is a great practice to also incorporate. It's easy. You can do it with almost anything, situation, feelings, whatever it is, argument, work situation, friend situation, family situation, um, a mistake you think you made, a right move you think you made that went wrong. It all, uh, I think it all, it all helps. Um, also shout out to our sponsor Mimosa don't forget the Pollo Picante omelette is something you need to go order if you have not already while listening to this interview um, head over to Mimosa at their two locations and make sure to pick up some scrumptious post meal fuel what else you got before we wrap the show up Apostoli you know what I just realized that I haven't sent out a newsletter in a few weeks um Sorry, everybody. I know you love those. I know some people really love those. We'll send one out this week. <laughs> Otherwise, yes. um, man, maybe I'll, I'll hit I'll hit ninety when the next time we record, so we can talk about that. A round number. Ninety. 90. How many How many podcast episodes are we at? Just th- about that, right? Yeah, probably just about that. I was going to look because like everyone's always like does something fun for their 100th episode. Um, we're just probably going to do a, a fun interview with someone awesome in town. But uh, I should go back. I think Apple tells you, Apple Podcast tells you how many episodes you have. So, Or we can count. But you know what? Uh, I, I want to say that you, you talk about your running streak. You should pat pat yourself on the back for for the podcast streak, the weekly rundown. We 
we haven't missed a beat That's this whole time. So I think it set, it set the bar. It set the bar for your running streak. So. Give credit where credit is due. Uh, to the podcast. And thing. that's due to you listeners, because without you, we wouldn't be here. You guys are amazing. And until next Friday, keep on running.